You're listening to Unbutton, the podcast brought to you by the editors of Yahoo Style. We're going to be at the intersection of pop culture, awesome things, and cool stuff we like. We're not just talking fashion, we're talking style. I'm Joe Z, the editor-in-chief of Yahoo Style, and today is a very special edition of Unbutton. I'll be speaking with a few of this year's Council Fashion Designers of America's Emerging Designer nominees, Ryan Roche, Rosie Asseline, and Shimon and Ariel Ovadia from Ovadia and & Sons. And if you don't know their names now, you will very soon. And then we're going to break down the big five stories of the week. And of course, we'll wrap it up with our usual signature game of Cards Against Fashion Humanity. And we have a very special guest this week. So if you're a Housewife fan, don't go anywhere. All right, I have some very special guests joining me this week on a very special edition of Unbutton. Now, each year, the Swarovski sponsors an award for emerging designers in the Council Fashion Designers of America and to celebrate the designers who will be the next big thing. Now, this year in women's wear are two names you probably already know, Rosie Asseline and knitwear designer Ryan Roche, a runner-up for the Vogue CFDA Fashion Fund Award earlier this year. And of course, on the menswear side, now this is a personal favorite because I'm not biased at all. (laughs) (laughs) We have Ariel and Shimon. 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 I knew I wasn't going to get it right. I almost did. (laughs) Ovadia. The Brooklyn-based brothers behind Ovadia and Sons. Welcome. Thank you. And I'm sorry I got your name wrong, but I wear your clothes all the time, so then it it makes up for it. (laughs) Wait, I want to start with you, Rosie, because you sort of have a bit of a design background in your family. um, And you do these amazing line of women's wear. I'd love you for you to just sum up what the, what you think your design sensibility is in one sentence. Our design sensibility. Um, I just hope that it's fabulous and comfortable at the same time, I guess. That's okay, something. but for people who don't know that are listening, <laughs> you also create incredible evening wear. Like, yeah. I have to say, more and more celebrities on a red carpet are saying they're wearing you all the time. But what does that, what does that feel like? Weird. <laughs> Wait, why like, is it weird? Because it's just strange. It's strange. It's fun, and it's strange. You but know? you know designers fight for that celebrity validation yes. to be like... Angelina Jolie is right. wearing Rosie Asselin on the yeah. red carpet. I mean, you can't buy that. It's like kind That's, of amazing. That would be fun, yeah. <laughs> I think that there's like, you know, when we've done a few fittings with some celebrities and when the light goes on in their eyes, when they're, you know, you have a bunch of options and you're trying everything on, that little spark goes off and you know it's the right thing. That's And that's every woman. That's not just celebrities. That's everyone across the board. Even myself included. When it feels right, it's just right. So I love it. Okay, so Ryan, knitwear, one sentence to sum up your sensibility. What would you think, people? I think I think Ryan Roche is modern minimal feminine romance. Wow. I like that. I feel like you've said it a few times. I've practiced that line. Let me tell you. Um, I've got it down. How as a designer do you land on doing something? Uh, or at least being known for your knitwear. I mean, you do a lot of other things too. But how do you become right. known for being, you know, that knitwear is your thing? You know, the way that Rosie's really, I think, at least for me, known for her evening wear. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, both through kind of proportion as, as well as color. I think color has been something that I'm very particular about that has, you know, I've, I'm very well known for my shades of pink. Mm. Um, and... And so that's very recognizable. And I think also just, you know, I'm very interested in kind of looking back and, um, you know, looking at all of those pieces that we loved maybe as a child that our grandmother made us and, you know, that really kind of pull at your heartstrings and then reinventing them in modern ways that feel fresh and, you know, shifting the silhouettes or the proportions and, and um, you know, 
everything I make is in cashmere, and so that's kind of hard to resist as well. Oh, that <laughs> most, feels so cuddly most already. like that a little bit. All right, so. gentlemen, how are you going to sum up Ovadi and Sons? Who wants, to, who wants to do this? I'm sitting here. You guys have to understand they're twins, and we're going to get into <laughs> twin psychology as designers in a minute, but I want them to describe the genesis behind their collection first. What would you say Ovadi and Sons is? So, uh, you know, growing up in New York, uh, we were inspired by a lot of things, you know, streetwear, graffiti, and hanging out in New York City. And uh, there was a lot going on, and I think it built up since we were kids, and, and now we're just letting everything out, all of that energy. And, and it's a very New York, it's modern, and it's about taking things that feel familiar and introducing them in a new, fresh way. I th- that was Ariel. But I have to say that, your clothes are more polished than street. The way that you describe it sounds very sort of rough and tumble, and it's a lot more sophisticated than that. Wait, you guys. So we were quizzing you earlier. Now I need to know it on the record. <laughs> Twin designers, who wins the fight? And I know you guys fight all the time. So uh, I think for the most part, we have to agree to disagree when we get in a heated argument. But for the most part, when we sit down and we're designing a collection or you know, a, a piece and a capsule, we come to the table with uh, a lot of the same ideas. Sometimes it's a little bit strange how similar the ideas are. Really? You complete each other's sentences? Is it like that? Definitely. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it is. For sure. So you can almost like draw a jacket and he can finish it for you. I right. already know what he's thinking. Right. Or I start a sentence and I just stop in the middle because he already knows what I'm going to say. So we get double the work done in half the amount of time. And sometimes you were saying you might sneak a sample in if he doesn't <laughs> right. agree. If I come up with an idea and uh, he's completely against it and there's no convincing... You know, I have to sneak it through the sample line, and I and I put the sample through, and then I know he's gonna like it. So when he comes in, he's like, "Wow, that's great!" And then <laughs> it ends up being one of the best runway oh, or top go. selling pieces in the collection. Oh, oh he's owning it already. He's owning it. <laughs> and I get to say, "I told you so." Oh, I love it. And when I you guys do really disagree, does someone pick up the phone and say, "I'm calling mom," and she's gonna she's gonna decide. <laughs> That's a tiebreaker. Oh! <laughs> Has that really happened? No. no. Uh, <laughs> Rosie, I want to ask you because your mother in law, yes. Roxanne, Roxanne, Roxanne Asselin, is a huge figure in the world of fashion. Yes. I, I mean, I started in the fashion industry about 25 years ago and I worked for the legend Polly Mellon. And she used to love Roxanne Asselin's jewelry all the time. But how, how, what type of advice does she sort of give you in terms of doing this because navigating this industry is tough and i think it's tougher now today than probably it was 20 years ago i mean there's so much more to it um was there one thing that she told you that you took away i i mean i i we were together all the time she just finished working on some pieces for resort for us for jewelry collection um but she doesn't really do it with direct sort of advice she does it more with the way that she shows me that she works and, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. So she's shown me that, you know, sort of staying true to yourself, that gut, that instinct, always go with it. And then those times where it's hard to get stuff done with time or with, you know, resources, you just do the best you can and you sort of hope for the best. I I know. And I think, (laughs) but you're right, though. I think, you know, we look at it, you know, you guys are nodding your head, too. But instinct is really a thing. And I think we always say it as creative people. And I'm not a designer by any stretch of the imagination. But even as an editor or writer or stylist, you go with that first gut instinct. Because when you overthink something, Mm -hmm. 
it's always what you kind of come back to was yeah. that first thing. And like, why waste time? I realized. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> you really but you know do what it, though? Yeah. But you can go for a full circle and waste a lot of time mm-hmm. or just do it. And right. I realized that's really how I get things done. Mm-hmm. And people say, how do you make decisions so quickly? I'm like, because you just go with instinct right. and don't look back. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. And the more you go with it, the quicker it comes to you. Uh, no, I agree with you, Rosie. Now, Ryan, I want to ask you though. Yes. Um, so I have to tell you, I just gave the commencement address at your alma mater oh last my week. And that's amazing. Simon Unglis, who's heads up the fashion department at yes. the Academy of Art University in San Francisco, said to say hello. Oh my gosh. They are so proud of you. I was just there. Did you know I was there? Because I, well, I, I. Not there on Friday not, when I was no, there. No, oh. I was there for the graduation show. I was given, oh, I was, right. I was oh, given wow. the Distinguished Alumni Award. They were so proud of you. I mean, being exciting. nominated for all these awards, I mean, you know, what advice would you have for for someone who is a fashion student right now? Like, how do you go from fashion student to a Vogue fund and now a CFDA nominee? I know. I think that you just, I, I mean, I personally just have this energy inside of me that I can't stop. And, you know, I think you just, you just can't give up and you just have to keep working really hard and you have to be clever and strategic and a good person and kind and you know and I think that um, you ju- I don't know you just have to keep going there's been so many times when everyone would understand why I would give up and yet in those moments where I feel so weak I somehow gain like this tremendous amount of strength and just keep pushing forward so it's like you know it's been in my mind it's like this tiny seed planted in my head when I was a young girl that that's what I wanted to do so I'm so blessed you just have I've, no other option I think that I've was my no commencement speech it I, was like the, uh, yeah when you want to uh, do don't. something you, you just, don't yeah you're not gonna be like I, this is my f- yeah. you know f- fallback plan it's like no yeah I'm not falling back yeah there's no <laughs> I know there, there's no there's no <laughs> the bottom line is my work makes me so happy and I love it. I'm, you know, it never feels like work. It always feels like pleasure. And that's what it so. should be. Now, wait, I want to ask you guys about the CFDA. So for those of who are listening, so those the Council Fashion Designers of America. How have they sort of helped you in terms of shaping your business? I mean, I want to ask the boys because I think it's sort of that mystery man, the wizard behind the curtain. I think a lot of people don't know it the way that we would know even like the Oscars or the Golden Globes and the, the Hollywood Foreign Press or whatever. But how has the CFDA helped you guys grow your businesses? So, uh, you know, ever since we got involved with the CFDA, it's been a real help um, from everything from introductions to celebrities or, you know, CEOs of companies who we now have an open door policy with, you know, that we call or, or we go to a meeting for advice and they introduce us to people and it's it's really invaluable the amount of help that that we receive from from being affiliated with them so it's it's definitely not just one of those those things that oh does it really do something for you no the answer is definitely yes it's a it's a big help and for you too rosie yeah definitely i'm you know we started it will be two years in june it will be our second we're going into our third year i guess we'll be finishing our second year and um swarovski and cfda was in our first year and it was an amazing support and you know nobody had heard of us we're a small new york brand and it was an amazing sort of not just a validation but a great way to reach out to people because if they're supporting you then that means something and but it's it's hard i mean i think ryan it's hard for you don't just say i want to be in the cfda and you get in like there's a whole process and it takes a while to even 
be accepted into it, right? So it's not a thing we just sign up and someone calls you and says, oh, great, come on down. <laughs> I'm actually not a CFDA member yet. Oh, wait, but you're going through the process. Yes, I am. And I, well, and I, because I did the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, was the hardest I've ever worked and paid off in the biggest way well, you could ever you imagine. To, what did you have to prep for the CFDA Vogue Fashion you, Fund? I had to, I mean, there were, a few different processes and the first application was rather simple and the second one took a month that's why I can nail those one liners so well is because I you know you you're asked what your brand positioning statement is what you know things that seem so simple but to really put them into one essential line it's tough and when you say it you want it to be meaningful so just that process allowed me to really like you know kind of find comb you know really realize and identify exactly who I was and um that you know you're you're moving so quickly in fashion I just found that I never had stopped to take the time to really do those important things and I mean that process was tremendous right. it was so helpful the, the CFDA is is a support system that without it I think a lot of the new designers would have a hard time finding their voice because they lead and pave the way for you you know Mm -hmm. even in the men's wear world where they're launching a dedicated men's fashion week this july you know and pushing for that five years in the making for a brand like us to have our voice heard as a new york brand and not taking the collection overseas you know just having that and they make things happen it's it's incredible and i think it's interesting what you also say ryan that you know you're forced to articulate what your brand positioning is and i think a lot of people think like oh i know what my collection is about i know what my line is about and i used to do a show on sundance channel called all on the line helping young designers yeah and the minute you ask the designer well then tell me about your collection they can't. <laughs> and I realized right. they and, – and, you know, and when you can't articulate your own collection, how do mm-hmm. you expect a buyer, mm-hmm. a customer, an editor, anyone else to? Right. And I think it's interesting because what the CFDA is doing and what the Vogue Fund and all of these incredible outlets is doing is forcing young designers to sit up and look at their collection Absolutely. from an objective, almost third-party yeah. positioning. And I think yeah. people forget that because I think there are a lot of graduates from fashion school who think – Oh, I can be like Prohens Ashula. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be designers, Mm -hmm. and then you realize it's actually a really tough road. Yeah, you have to work so hard, and you have to be so smart. You know, you have to be creative, and especially when you're just starting out, you have to have a savvy business mind. You do. Okay, so boys, boys, I want to ask you guys the toughest thing about being an emerging young designer. I think uh, you know goes back to stating a clear voice and vision for the brand there there's so much product out there and uh with the internet it's been a big um, help for the brand but at the same time you could see more product than ever so i think the biggest challenge is standing out in uh you know amongst literally thousands of brands but i think young designers in the past had to look for buyers and stores to take them but now the internet's allowed that to free up a little bit because you can do your own transactions and do your own e-commerce do you think that's helped a lot or do you think that's made it even more difficult uh, I think it's helped, you know, the direct-to-consumer sales help and the web e-commerce helps. Uh, but I think it's a challenge of being a designer and also knowing how to run a business. You know, it, you you can't have one without the other. And when we came into this business, we never worked anywhere. We had zero experience. We didn't know anyone in the business. And we just knew how to run a business or we thought we knew. So that was a challenge. 
Okay. Rosie, toughest thing about being an emerging young designer? Uh, the toughest thing is knowing, having the crystal ball. I think there are opportunities that come up and there are great opportunities, but maybe they don't feel 100% like the right opportunity. And it's that sticking to your gut thing that we were talking about. And even web sales, for instance, you know, not having too much exposure, what's the right type of exposure and, you know, how much, you know, is too much. So that's that's where we are right now. Anyway, maybe that's not what it's going to look like next year. But right now, that's where we feel. And Ryan, what about you? Toughest thing about being that young emerging designer? Maybe financing it. That's always the tough thing. Yeah. And I think people don't realize it's like yeah. you're always living dollar to dollar day to day. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's been a challenging aspect for me. Um that we're, you know, we're, we're starting to kind of sort out. Um, yeah, and I think the same, just kind of, I mean, I feel so lucky and so fortunate and so blessed that I have so many people in my corner now, having gone, you know, with the CFDA with Stephen and Diane and, and Anna and the crew at Vogue and all the judges from the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund and my mentors. And, you know, when questions come up about, like, distribution or you know things that I just don't have the experience with and being able to call them and and they're straight on the phone and then I mean that's so valuable well how accessible really is Anna Winter I mean she is the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine she's the artistic director of Condé Nast I mean she's busy you're for all the, nodding yeah. yes for the right reasons you, know? you, you only you write have, to Anna when you really have, you have like a, a solid you have question. a few of those golden tickets you yeah. better use those wisely yeah you know? oh, oh so it's not you can't just you can't just email her anytime you I want. would only write no. a really like if it was really thoughtful and it was very specific yeah. so you can't really text Anna and or, be like hey girl <laughs> <laughs> I wish what's, I could what's more surprising is when she emails you yes because then you're like, whoa, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> Am I in trouble? Or? Oh, so it's always scary that it is exciting. No, I think it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think Anna's lovely. I think she's been so kind and so lovely. Oh, I do too. I just, yeah. I don't, I think the first reaction is that most people wouldn't think like, oh, hey, let me just email her. Like, yeah. you think, like, <laughs> let me get my ducks in a row. And that's sort of like right. my last stop yeah. on that train. Do you guys have all your outfits ready to go? You guys know what you're wearing Monday night? We just no. I just that. dropped my, my fabric off to my sample maker. <laughs> to make your- because we're always the last one to like Nobody take cares care. about yeah. us. Yeah. They want the but collection. you guys are not even stressed. I'm I because we've like I know what we can get done quickly, so I'm not stressed. Okay, so for all those listening, we are under a week away from the awards. <laughs> so these ladies are sitting here and not stressed at all. So you can understand <laughs> the amount of stress they must go through every day with their business to not be stressed about <laughs> right. what they're wearing next week. Um, okay, last thing. Is it just an honor to be nominated or bloody hell you want to win? <laughs> you want to win. You yes. want to win. Yeah. Say it. You want to win. You want to yeah. win. I think, of course. I think it's an honor to just be nominated. Come on, I think Rosie. You want to win. I mean. It I is, think, but you want to win. Just being in. I really think just being in the company of you guys and getting to <laughs> hang out with everybody. That's really oh, fun for us. That's really well, fun. It's well, really fun. I have to say you guys are all winners today. <laughs> and I have you hanging in my closet. I <laughs> see you on the red carpet all the time. I got to be at your old alma mater. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> and so I'm so much. Cross my fingers for all of you. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you. So fun. Big week, big stories. And of course, here to discuss the big five with me are the editors from Yahoo Style. Today we have Sarah Cristobal, editor. Lauren Tuck, news editor. Britt Abutalib, managing editor. 
All right, ladies, let's just get right into it. Of course, the big, big news for us this week was Cannes Film Festival and our ever-changing and evolving slideshow of what everybody wore to Cannes started earlier in the week titled, Kendall Jenner Pops Up at Cannes Film Festival Wearing Aliyah and just ended this week with what everyone wore to Cannes. I have to say... I get so red carpeted out during award season because it's always the same movie. So you see the same cache of people revolving in different dresses. And then I flip through this on Cannes Film Festival and I think, who are all these Europeans? I've never heard <laughs> so of I've heard of never heard of ninety percent of them. So are many they sexy even actresses? Uh, a few of them are actresses. You have, you know, the French actresses always look really chic with their undone hair and, you know, a little Nina Ricci slip dress or something. But then you also do have this bevy of sort of Israeli socialites and old British money who just pull out their couture and show up on the Riviera. Yeah, a ton of models. I'm interested in that idea. So when you have the Oscars, the Golden Globes, the Emmys, whatever it is, you really have the people who are nominated and in projects walking the carpet. At Cannes Film Festival, it literally is a 50% split of supermodels and 50% everybody else i know i, I think mean, there's a lot so of them events. come for amfar though that's you know the kareen reitfeld is the one who styles it and they do a big fashion show so she gets all of her girls to come and i think that's when kendall came and she was wearing alaya and she was wearing custom calvin klein and radiant orchid <laughs> and carl lagerfeld really. it was it was radiant orchid calvin uh, klein is all up on his pantone oh uh, yeah and let's not forget, though, they were also wearing high heels or they would have been banned from the carpet. Oh, yeah. Um, Sky high heels. I know. But what do you guys think about that? I mean, I don't care because I don't have to be forced to wear heels. But what is the news of being told you had to wear heels on the carpet? Sky high heels on the carpet. I think the funniest thing is that they're all wearing gowns and you can't even see the shoes underneath them. So, like, why are It's they a being very stuffed? weird rule. And Laura Stone brilliantly wore flats to the Amphar Gala, and she made sure to stick her leg out of that high slit and make it crystal clear. And no one kicked her out. Well, (laughs) I thought you were going to say it's really weird that they're wearing gowns and wouldn't wear a high heel shoe with it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would want to wear a high heel for sure. It's a funny mandate. It's like, why do you care? (laughs) I know, but then now I feel like they made it such a headline that people now want to say, I'm going to wear flats. Like, Laura Stone, do you think she would have actually worn flats if it wasn't a headline? I doubt it. I've never seen her in a flat. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I mean, no one wants to be told what to do so and people who are covering also have to wear tuxes and stuff it's all black tie like yeah, if you go that, to the premieres and stuff that, then, yeah. that i understand and that's a given because then you sort of have cameramen everybody sitting around in jeans and cutoffs, right. and then everybody i think you know and that doesn't make any sense i think i've only been to Cannes once and i think it was more towards the south of france and i was doing a photo shoot there and this was so many years ago and i got up really early one morning and i thought Oh, I'm going to go venture this town because I can never afford to be back here on my own. Um, and I'm here for a photo shoot. Let me go check it out. And I was out there like looking in shop windows at like 7 a.m. probably for about 10 minutes. And I got pulled over by a cop who wanted to know right away where I was staying. And this is before phones and stuff. So where I was staying, what hotel was I registered at? And I told them the hotel. And they were like, no way you can be staying at some place so nice. And there was I was in my t-shirt oh my and god jeans you were profiled oh i was so profiled because he was like a young kid an Asian, young asian kid just wandering around looking into cartier's windows at 7 a.m yeah pull him over were you doing your hip-hop <laughs> look did you have your hip-hop vibe no, i don't on? know i mean it's just like it's just such a town where everybody is dressed up yeah really all is. 
the time. And it's not relegated to just a film festival. I think it's such a thing that's become such a commonplace. Everyone else is just a gauche American. They're walking around in sneakers, jeans, and a t-shirt. Well, there's still yacht style, airport style. Even the airport style was seriously more stylish than any airport in the world. So there you go. If you want to look good, dress up and go to Cannes any time of the year. Now let's move on to story number two, you guys. This one is always a popular subject on our site. And this particular story titled, How Taylor Swift Just Named Best Celebrity Friend... (laughs) Your southern twin. I, I don't know why. She is like, a country like, superstar yes, after all. Can't avoid a backlash. Now we are very tailored out right now. You know she is everywhere, but. Lauren, I want to ask you, because you're such a Taylor um, aficionado. I'm a big fan. I know you are, and you were like reciting Bad Blood. You know, <laughs> but are we turning the tide? Because you can't get that popular without the pendulum swinging the other way. I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to get sick of her, I think. I've been a fan since she's my age, so I've grown up. I'm using air quotes here, listening to her music. And, you know, since I was 16, and I just, I still haven't grown sick of her. And I, you know, she's changed so much that I think that she's such a savvy businesswoman that she's able to shift her brand. And so she doesn't necessarily get old. But I could be completely wrong. I mean, Britt, what do you think? I mean, I love Taylor's music. I love her message. I love her, you know, symbol of girl power. But I have to admit that halfway into the whole bad blood thing, I was like, oh, my God, please make it stop. It was just the teasing and the every day there was something new and a little bit of information. And then when the thing came out, it was such a bump. Like, it was just like kind of a letdown. Whereas if there had been no sort of build up to it, it would have been like a really big moment, I think. I don't know. I feel like she's continually letting us know how popular she is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like all those cameos. It was cool. It was definitely very cool. But it was like, you know, it, it fell a little flat because she had overdone it so much to the point where you just were not really that sort of engaged with what was the the song and the video and what was actually happening. I like, at the same time, Billboard what had was the Cindy highest, Crawford doing there? Who knows? But <laughs> Billboard had the highest ratings it's had in over a decade. I mean, but do, Lauren, do you think that to has to do with the video, though? I think it has to do everything with and Taylor not Chrissy Swift. Teigen or Ludacris. I don't know. I mean, Chrissy <laughs> Teigen is adorable, and I'm one of her number one fans. But I don't think she has that much of a draw. Yeah. I don't know. I have to say, I did not know about any of the teases with the Bad Blood video. And then, of course, you I watched social it. social media aficionado. I know, Where I know. But you know you? what, though? Probably busy and not catching up on Instagram. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, as I was watching the video and I was like, oh, my God, this is like George Michael's freedom. Where like, that's my generation. You guys are all no, too young. That, no, that is oh the God, best video of all time. Where like, I love that sort of cameo appearances by unexpected people. This did feel a little bit overkill to right? me in a way. Pick and I, choose. I like I like Taylor. I find all of her actions so incredibly intentional that it can be borderline annoying. It's just all so earnest. Right. So and, saccharine. And sometimes I just want to be like, say the F word, leave your house without makeup. <laughs> yeah. Like like trip and fall. Do something. But yeah. it's all yeah. so good. Yeah. I don't she needs, know. It's like a little more Jennifer Lawrence in her. Just like be a bit less filtered, I think. Everything is so proper. Yeah. And I know there's probably like a non-proper girl somewhere in there. I'm like, girl, just let it out. Because I kind of want that, I think. Yeah, I think America would embrace it at this point. It'd be like, oh, you're a human. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the rest of 2015, Taylor, here to stay or go? Britt. Here. Lauren. Stay forever. I think that's a song. Sarah. <laughs> Is that one of her songs? I mean, I don't think she's going anywhere. I think we're going to have a lot more time with Taylor. All right, year. Taylor, you heard that. You are here to stay. We love you. Okay, on to the next one. 
Our third big story of the week, Amal Clooney steals a spotlight in a yellow silk dress at Tomorrowland Tokyo premiere. And if you guys have not seen her, she is wearing a Marzon, Marzon, there's something wrong with me today, <laughs> a Maison Martin Margiela uh, gown by John Galliano. And it is actually gorgeous. And when I actually first looked at this picture, and you guys have to log on to look, I have to say that what I look, noticed more than the dress was that she pulled her hair back. And I was like, the yeah, littlest thing. She never does that. She's a lot of the sameness. She just always looks good. And I think when someone always looks good, I get disappointed. I want you to sometimes look different. Or like, <laughs> you, you need to be bad to be good. Because if you're always good, it's just consistent. You know, I, I kind of, I need, I need both. You, you kind of need to slip up to be better next time. Sometimes I don't know. What do you think, wears, Britt? Well, sometimes she wears those like weird sneaker wedges. <laughs> no, she like, doesn't. Yeah. Yes, yes, she, she does. does. Not since she's been married. Yes. Yes, I'm going to send you a picture. She does. You can see it on Yahoo Style. Yeah, it's um, on the massive and it, slideshow. Like, makes me feel really good. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. She's fantastic. I mean, she's amazing. I think what's interesting about this and what we started talking about in the office was that she keeps on wearing Galliano, which is a point that Lauren brought up. So she keeps on wearing Galliano. She's the one of the most celebrated human rights lawyers in the world, and John Galliano has been continuously. You know, he said anti-Semitic statements. You know, he's not known for being politically correct. In fact, he's known for being quite the opposite. And yet, you know, it's like a dichotomy almost, the two of them coming together. Like, it's so, I don't know. It's like, seems like it's a very manufactured relationship that just shouldn't be together. Which like, it definitely is. I mean, Anna Wintour is obviously, you know. Oh, behind all that. Yeah. For sure. Brokered that. Amal was the, one of the first after Anna to wear Galliano, the new Galliano. She wore Galliano to the Met, which is also brokered by Anna. So it is a very, um, you know, specific and deliberate relationship. I, but I don't know if it's that political. I mean, Sarah, what do you think? Um, I, don't, I mean, I feel like she probably has a few designers that she likes. She seems to go to the same people again and again. So if she's comfortable with Galliano, he's obviously expressed a lot of remorse for what he's done. Maybe she's willing to look past it because she really likes his clothes and the way they fit. She also wears Giambattista Valley almost every time she steps out. It's a curious relationship for sure. And I, I imagine we'll see her in a lot more Margiela down the road. Um, I think she's just a creature of habit. I would find that she's just wearing it because it's pretty. I don't even know as a human rights advocate and a lawyer, she's even going that deep. Right. Like, she, I think, does she understand the fashion? connotation? I think, I mean, I bet you she does know. I mean, I think she's a brilliant woman, but I think she just doesn't care. It's like, oh, this is a pretty dress. Well, I'm just going to put it on. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, his comeback has been very successful. You know, it was slow and steady, and I think fashion has welcomed him back. And thanks to, you know, the right placement and, you know, Kate Blanchett wore a Galliano for Margiela dress. I think it's been... Um, you know, again, very deliberate and well done in a lot of ways. Or maybe, Britt, she just says everyone deserves a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to our next story. Now, we have two of these stories that are semi-connected, but this story is actually brewing as we talk about it right now. So by the time you listen, you can go back to our site and look at it. But this is actually kind of crazy and appalling. So Lily Pulitzer's Pink Palace headquarters is perfect except for the fat-shaming thing. Now, this popped up. I'll give a little background on this story. This popped up today, and it's already sort of gone viral. But New York Magazine's fashion website, The Cut, did a profile on Lily Pulitzer and their headquarters in King of Prussia and took pictures around the office. One of the pictures in the slideshow was of an employee's cubicle, of which she had drawings all pinned up to her cubicle that did everything to fat-shame a woman's body from labeling carb face down to fat and hideous, should I kill myself? And I think people really saw this. And it wasn't called out by New York Magazine. It was just there. 
And I think this is something that has really just enraged the internet and and deservedly so. I mean, I think this is kind of crazy. To, like I was, I think what I was saying coming down here was like, I can't believe an employee would be even allowed to do this, even though I think Lily Pulitzer has issued a statement saying that these are the beliefs of an employee and not really of the company. But I was like, that employee yeah, works for how, you. How and she's those... making it public. And I find it, you know, the people walk by her desk. I would be really... I would be really offended as working there. Like, also, I it was a mood board it was attached to. So she seems to be a brain behind the clothes that they're making. That just seems like it's so connected with the brand. There's no way to disconnect yourself from that. You're right, Lauren. But in terms of what this is, I just wonder that by the time that people listen to what we're talking about right now on the podcast, would that picture have been removed from the slideshow or not? So in any case, you'll still be able to see a screen grab of the picture on our site. <laughs> but I'm just saying, to me, it's just it just seems so obvious. It seems so appalling that in 2015 that this would be allowed in a big national company. I mean, Britt, do you? Well, yeah. I mean, as an editor, I think my first reaction was, of all of the people that that's, that image had to get through before it was published live, pushed live onto a site, before one of my writers sent it to me and said, oh, my gosh, look at what's posted on this Lily Pulitzer. We thought it was on their fridge at first in their office. But, you know, from the person whose desk that is to whoever their supervisor is to the photographer to the New York Magazine editor to the person who wrote the captions, you know, and – and that, you know, when everything is so looked over and polished at this point and then it was just let out into the world and New York Magazine didn't comment on it. And then that they would say that the, you know, that the company would say this is the views of one of our employees, whereas nowadays everyone's Twitter profile even says, you know, the, you have to sort of – you do represent your company in a lot of ways. We have the and, disclaimer. But are you saying that New York Magazine should not have run that image? No, I just can't believe that it got through Lily Pulitzer, through the company, through that person, through the photographer to that point. Um, no, I would. If I was New York Magazine, I would have run the image as well. I mean, I think it's just so sad that they work in a culture that where that's acceptable. And, and I love that you're talking about it from New York Magazine's perspective. But Sarah, what do you think about it from Lily Pulitzer's perspective? Oh, it's not funny. It's not even remotely funny. You're sort of representing every woman with that brand, with that label. Um, I don't even see how it could stand, like, see the light of day, really. Like, if that was even an, I was trying to think, like, under what context that could have existed. But, and if you are even, like, having a private joke with someone, you wouldn't post it on the mood board for all the world to see. It makes zero sense. And especially if you have a photographer coming to shoot the office, the studio, like, wouldn't you be mindful about taking that down? Would you hide those awful comments? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, I really look at it in a way where, Yes, haters out there are going to be like, oh, you know what, is she allowed to have her freedom of speech and her own opinion? But in a way, it's like, you know, it's also an environment that fosters, you know, acceptance and all of that. And you're not really doing that with these particular images. And I I find it really discouraging. And I find it really hard because this is the one thing that fashion is so hard in accepting is different body shapes and different body images. And like, if you can't do it from this level, it's just never going to happen. And I think, you know, we say this all the time, designers need to find that way into this. And if they can't at the Lily Pulitzer level, how are we going to at the Chanel level? Well, it's also interesting that Lily Pulitzer just did a collaboration with Target and they're the first collaboration that actually included plus size. And it, the, the website shut down. Yeah, it totally sold out. Everyone was enthusiastic about it. And then, you know, th- on the heels of that, you know, it was everyone's enthusiasm over this wonderful partnership. And then this is what comes out of it. It's It's really... It's sad. It's disheartening. I think it's really sad. I feel like somebody's going to be out of a job if they're not already. 
for that. I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out yeah. because this doesn't just go away. No. So let's see how this story ends. But a story we do love, <laughs> our last story of our big five, headline size 22 model Tess Holiday lands the cover of People magazine. I am obsessed with this story, and we were talking about this, and this blew up. The story for us on the site did really well, but I think the issue itself sold really well for people. And I think what's so great about this is that we always talk about plus-size models. And I think when you speak to women, they're like, 8, 10, 12, that's not plus-size. And to have a twenty-two size 22 model on the cover of People magazine is a huge testament, albeit it's not Vogue. It's not Elle and it's not Harper's Bazaar, but it's still a cover of a huge national magazine. And I think that's just, this is like an awesome thing. I mean, Britt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I remember Reese Witherspoon once saying, after she was on the cover of um, Vogue, you know, she was saying, yeah, it's amazing. Vogue's great. But really, like, I'm from the South. Like, everyone only cares if I'm on the cover of People. Because People is what, like, everyone in America is reading. It's what's at the grocery store. It's what are the t- what's at the doctor's office. So being on the cover of People is really, like, you're a household name. I mean, that's major. I mean, Lauren, what do you think? I think it's pretty cool that, you know, she doesn't fit the archetype and, you know, that she gets chosen to be. I mean, we want to shoot her. We want her. Everyone wants her. And she doesn't fit into this mold of, you know, a size eight model. She doesn't fit into the average. And she's just completely breaking barriers. I love that. The world's first size 22 supermodels, what the headline was on People magazine. I mean, how cool is it that supermodels these days aren't just size double zero? Which, they, or, or a size 8. Like for the longest time, fashion industry was calling a size 8 or 10 girl plus size. Yeah, I mean, the fashion industry still is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is the sad thing. And I think that that was sort of a testament to the Lily Pulitzer thing. I mean, Sarah, I, I know that you've seen a lot of runway shows. But yeah. what are the chances that we're going to see a size 22 supermodel walk down any runway? I mean, it's definitely coming. In in, in Paris, um, Gautier would have people of all different shapes and sizes coming down his and runway. And they look great. And yeah. they look great. And it's cool and it's fun. And I think people get more excited by that. What I think is interesting about Tess, though, is that she was sort of self-created. She, um, in the People magazine story, she says how... You know, whenever she wanted went into a casting or whatever, she was made fun of. When she went to school, she was like pushed into lockers, and her mom said, "Don't worry, I know you're going to make it one day. I'm going to you're going to make it one day." And then through Instagram, social media, she was posting pictures of herself, and she kind of made her own brand. Um, she made she was self starter through social media, and she had this great quote about, "Thanks to the power of the internet, I was able to create my own destiny." Oh, it's interesting that, you know, millennial models are all the talk like Cara Delevingne and Kendall Jenner and the Baldwin sisters. Like, what do they even do? Like, they're able to make these brands based on social media. But, you know, she's not she's not them. And she's kind of done the same thing. And that's really interesting. And I think in a way, she's probably resonating more with people in America than even them in a, in a different way. And I think that's really such a testament to what's going on out there. I was telling Britt, so I will be honest, I did uh, on my television show, All on the Line, a couple years ago, I did an episode with a plus-size clothing line in Los Angeles called Domino Dollhouse. And I did the episode with Tess. So it was the first time I met her, but she was part of the episode. She was part of that company, modeling for them, but also consulting for them. So basically you discovered her. No, I didn't discover her, but I love her because (laughs) she she was actually really, like, when I go back and I think about it, like, she was so great then because she was so, she owned herself. She owned the situation. She loved it. And she's like, I don't need to cover my arms. I don't need, and it was so great because it was like, you know, we don't have plus size clothes out there that can actually make a statement. Everything is like a wrap dress. Everything is jersey. It's like, how do I do something that makes it fashion? How do I make something that that we can own? And I think that's what's kind of 
the shitzpah behind behind her. So yeah, you're right, Lauren. We want to shoot her. So Tess, if you're listening, remember a few years ago, <laughs> we want to shoot with you again. Call us. <laughs> yeah, call us. You know how to reach us <laughs> on social media. Always. All right. Well, congratulations to Tess Holiday on her big cover, and that's it for our top five. Thank you, ladies. Woo! Go, ladies. <laughs> I love sitting here with you guys, always talking about our big stories. And of course, I want all of you to keep reading. So read away and don't forget to tweet us at Yahoo Style using the hashtag unbutton. And don't go anywhere. Stay tuned because we have a very exciting and unpredictable game of cards against fashion humanity with our special guests. And if you're a Housewife fan, you are definitely staying put. Okay, so we're ending this with another fabulous round of Cards Against Fashion Humanity. Now, joining me today is an old friend and Kelly Ben Simone. <laughs> I've known her for so long and I'm so excited you're here today. Now, we Thank get to you. play this very special game because have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm I like cards. Well, this is even more fun. So, you basically draw a card. Okay. And in a sort of twist of the game, we're going to actually fill in the blank ourselves with fashion style. Or any kind of silly, irreverent, sometimes inappropriate answers that you can come up with. Ooh, nice. So, Kelly, you're going to have to dig deep. (laughs) (laughs) And joining me also are Yahoo editors. Britt and Michelle. Hi, guys. Hi. Okay, so let's get started. All right, so, Kelly, of course, you're being our guest of honor today. Thanks. You're going to draw the first card. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Which one? Is this poker? No. <laughs> yes, you win. I win. I win. Just like everyone wins. Everybody wins. Oh my gosh, this is a good one. Okay. Ready? Yes, read it. So, what am I giving up for Lent? Oh, what oh. are you giving up for Lent? Oh. I actually don't give up. I actually add because I have two <laughs> girls. Sorry. I love that. So, so I, I have like two teenage girls. So I'm trying to teach them how to be like thankful and grateful. So instead of like giving things up and like suffering, I want them to do like nicer things for people. So I always say like you can't, you know, you can't know swearing and then they have to do something nice every single day that they wouldn't normally do. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like adding oh, and not subtracting. Yeah. I'm done with that. I, I might will start celebrating too. Lent again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> celebrate Lent every day. <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, I'm adding something today. Exactly. And I'm going to add something today. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to add adding. A, a Birkin and a steak dinner. <laughs> exactly. I'll have the steak dinner and the Birkin. There, there you go. All right, exactly. Michelle, draw a card. Okay, well, I'm a Cards Against Humanity virgin, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. Blank is a slippery slope of... Is a slippery slope that leads to. This doesn't make grammatical sense. I know. Well, blank too. is a slippery slope that leads to blank. So oh, you actually oh, have to fill in. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. You're really getting into the deep end. Wow. It's like, I don't know. Honesty is a slippery slope that leads to broken friendship. <laughs> 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 That's dark, Michelle. Whoa. me, do not ever ask Michelle if these jeans make me look fat. Exactly. Never. In turn, I will never ask you that question. Exactly. Exactly. But jeans looking fat. Wait, Kelly, you have a new blog. I do. KKB Loves. That's launching actually this week. I'm launching it in Paris at Asseline on Friday. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, tell us about the blog. So, you know, I've had this website for a long time, ever since I was on Housewives, and I decided after, you know, being at L Accessories for so long and working for Gotham that I would launch my own blog that was really like really what I love and instead of trying to be a blogger where I'm just standing there with a handbag in front of you know 
in front of my legs. Like I literally, it's like really fun and exciting and all sorts of um, really high end products to things that are like amazing finds. So, so everything, all, all everything Kelly. So everything Kelly and just, you know, like more of an ex- exploration. So whether if I'm in Paris or I'm in the Hamptons or in Connecticut or wherever I am, I'm like a, a seek and I shall find. Ooh. And so that's really what it is. It's just, you know, like finding all these great things and, you know, showing them off. Your own goop. Uh, not my own goop, but really like show. <laughs> I, I, I actually haven't seen her blog, but I'm going to check it out because everyone says it's oh, so it's great. great. But um, this is like real, like real life. You know, I'm like a real person. I'm a real mom, and so whatever like works to make my life a lot easier and sometimes sexier <laughs> and a lot more charming. Then that's what KKB loves. Kelly all about. mentions Paris, the Hamptons, Connecticut, and then says, "I'm a real person. <laughs> yeah, that's I am. not my life. <laughs> oh, I'm from Rockford, Illinois. I'm a real person. Believe me. <laughs> oh, Kelly, the real girl." For sure. The real girl. All the right, real girl. Britt, your turn. Oh, Pick a card. <laughs> I should have mentioned LA. I missed that. Alternative too. medicine is I'm now kidding. embracing the curative powers of. Oh, go- well, I got the I wrong mean- card. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I know. You're the health editor. That is always one <laughs> thing that's behind. I mean, I want to say sunshine because it's been snowing consistently. But that's not a very fashion forward answer. <laughs> Alternative lavender. medicine is now embracing the curative powers of shoes. I mean, shoes always make me feel better. Shoes always make me feel the better. The curative powers right? of shopping. Oh Over shopping. shopping. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over shopping. All right, I'm going to pick my shoes. Shoes are like my eye candy. If I'm in a bad mood, I just look down at my shoes. Today, I'm wearing wellies, so don't look at my shoes. <laughs> I, wait, how many pairs of shoes would you say you own, Kelly? A lot. <laughs> wait, do you have a separate room for them? I have them all organized, and they're all, like, showcased out, because I'm so proud. I love them so much. I love that you just said a lot really coyly, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but even one. Kelly's hunter boots are super fashionable, because they're rag and bone hunter boots. Oh, they are? And that's one of my, oh my favorite brands. They're like a riding boot, yeah. They are, so see? They're riding wellies. I love them. <laughs> for Connecticut. <laughs> Yeah, when for, I mean, real life. for real yeah. life. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot Miami. I forgot LA too. I like that too. What about Italy? I like Capri. Ooh. Capri. Capri. Hey now. The, the, it's a hop, skip, and jump away for real people. <laughs> the destination for real people. <laughs> okay, you guys. I just got a card that said, "What's Teach for America using to inspire any inner city students to succeed?" That's a very earnest yeah. question for Cards Against Humanity. I uh, say pick again. I was like, I'm, I'm going to just like take the fifth on that one. Exactly. I'm going to be like, like moving right along. Exactly. All right, this one is better. A romantic candlelit dinner would be incomplete without, well, condoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, or I, else somebody I, will be taking time editor, off in nine I months. T- I totally endorse that. Well, Yay! You know, I was watching Ben <laughs> Sanger's Millionaire Matchmaker last night. Don't ask me why, but I actually am obsessed with the show. And she had a guy on there that would not kiss on the first date. And I was like, wow. Wow. And he was a rapper, too. I was wow. Like, Whoa. wow. Would you ever go on that show? Uh, I don't think so. Because what am I going to be like, hi, I was a model and <laughs> I can't find anyone. That would make me look like an idiot. <laughs> I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I, I can't. That. I just saw a housewife. Who did I see on there that was? A lot of housewives are on there. A lot of housewives are on there, right? And Caroline Manzo brought her son on, I think. Or oh, really? daughter on, but... Or am I wrong? But then someone, and I saw another housewife with Jill on it. I can't remember. No, but I, there was um, Heidi Montag. Oh, 
Wait, I was on she, at the wait. gym. And she, no, I, Heidi Montag was not on. Yeah, she was, but not for her, for her sister. Or like oh, her oh, okay. I was so like, like, she's got a husband, like, and boyfriend, <laughs> someone. Isn't yeah, he like a so too. Yeah. yeah. Isn't he Spidey? blonde? Yeah, Spencer. Yeah, Spencer, Spencer, thank you. I'm like, he's blonde. I don't like, know why I know that. <laughs> That's all I knew about She was like, yes, his name is Spencer. <laughs> his name might be Spencer. You <laughs> <laughs> might be really All right, another round. Let's go, Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So nervous. I'm so nervous. Kid tested, mother approved. Candy. Kid oh. tested, mother approved. I mean, if I'm your mom. <laughs> I know. You're a good mom, then. I am a good mom. Can you adopt me? Because we get to add things for Lent, yeah. and you get to have candy. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping for adoption. <laughs> I second <laughs> the motion. Ready and available. Yes, always. All right, Michelle, your All turn. All right, here we go. But before I kill you, Mr. Bond, I must show you... My Fifty Shades closet. Oh! I think that's called a playroom. And it's bigger than Kelly's shoe closet. <laughs> so you can only imagine. So wait, as this is New York, so it's really not that big. Do you think that people are really going to start making Fifty sh- like at their own room? What did like, he call like, it? Not in New York City. No one can afford to. The playroom. Yeah, so is, now is, playroom. is the playroom? And the burbs be- are going to start making but playrooms. What I'm but. curious about is like, so the man cave is like out, and now it's like the, the love cave it's the quote the playroom oh the playroom so it's the upgraded playroom it's mother like, approved so it was so, oh <laughs> so now all the handprints from the all the babies is like painted over and the man cave like all like the sports thing that's all painted over and now it's like porn and like <laughs> the nursery's all like Flatters. red satin walls exactly <laughs> grommets everywhere and just like oh what is that strap coming from the ceiling <laughs> it's a swing <laughs> How about, did you, were you watching the Oscars when Juliana Rancic was talking about that there was an object that someone had talked no. about? I, what was it called? The fopper? The flogger. Oh, flogger. She's the only one that knows what that is. Step the terminology oh, down. She was so cute. And then she's like, by the way, here's the definition of flogger. Well, because Dakota Johnson laughing. said she took it home from the set. I know. Like, people are like, oh, I took these shoes or I took this outfit. And Dakota was like, I took home a flogger. Yeah. Which is amazing. I, but Britt told me the story and I had to say, what's a flogger? Yeah, and that's what I said. <laughs> so to be fair. All right, moving on from that. <laughs> Jamie Dornan's so hot, though. So okay. hot, so Jamie hot. Dornan. But I love him from the fall. Wait, so but if you he's didn't terrifying if, from the fall. I, mean, he's like I a, loved him he's from like Calvin a, Klein ads. He's yeah. like a sexy serial killer Justin in the Bieber fall, looks really I'm good in the t- Calvin Klein ads. Justin Bieber looks incredible Justin in the Calvin Klein ads. He's like killing it. That's like not his real body, you guys. It isn't? <laughs> no, it It's someone else's touch. body? Did we oh just buy God. into Photoshop? <laughs> you of all people, Joe. <laughs> but you know, people like, listen, people talk about Photoshop, but do you know when people go on Facebook and they Photoshop their own photos? Or like, yeah. hold on one Great second, touch. don't post that until I fix it. I'm like, what are you going to do with that? They're like, fix my arm. I'm like, fix your arm. What's wrong with your arm? I'm like, what? It's, people, called, it's called liquefy. Yeah. <laughs> people do a lot of... Not that I don't know everything. <laughs> no, people people uh, retouch their wedding pictures, which is becoming really, really common, which oh, I that's find weird. weird. And I find that's weird. I, I don't know that why. Was, I, I thought think that, that was weird. bad. That you have a really like, genuine day in your life, so yeah. any artifice seems kind of strange. Well, but it is. I, I felt guilty when I like chose I know, chrome as my like tone, and then I'm like, oh my god, I should. Wait, have well, any. we filter. I mean, I filter the hell out of any Instagram. Anybody who follows me knows that. So. <laughs> but now I have to filters stop. Are, like, filters are legit, but I don't know about. Photoshopping your All right, what card did you get? Okay, it's a pity that kids these days are all getting involved with uh, Snapchat. Oh, <laughs> I'm I thought you were going to say this. What was 
Oh, eases. Are kids into eases? I don't know. I mean, how about pot gummy bears? Pot gummy bears are like the biggest thing right now. Hello. There was a little truck that was down Broadway with like all the lollipops. My daughter's like, Mom, what is that? Why is it like, why is everyone like happy faces and these weird like animations? I'm like, I have no idea. You're like kid attested mom approved. I was like, she's 14. I think we better move on. Keep walking. Walk over to Broadway. Hello. You weren't in LA when that happened. No, I was in New York down Broadway. Which is even more weird because they're easier to find in LA, but I don't know why that's so accessible in New York. But also e-cigs are like. I didn't know kids. See, I don't know. Yeah. Like e-cigs. They're all the new hookah. Yeah, it's the new hookah. But it has has nicotine in it. So it's like these kids are getting all jacked up on e-cigs and lavender. Well, I got a card, you guys. I got a card that says, what helps Obama unwind? (laughs) You would know. That, that romantic candle at dinner I had talking about earlier. Exactly. Steak. <laughs> the steak dinner. Um, I'm going to leave that answer up to Michelle. <laughs> I well, I was say, it used to be Sigs, but he quit, and hopefully it's not oh, E-Sigs. No, well, I mean, I don't think he does. Do you think he does yoga? His teeth are way too white to be They are really white. They are yeah. way too white. Yeah. Yeah. To be do you think smoker. they're whitener or do you think they're real? I don't know. Uh, I don't those Crest Whiteners are really good. I mean, Sometimes I'm sure I, the White House is a good dentist. And they're, they're, people love those. Those are so great. They're yeah, super they're expensive, though. I know. Let's do another round. Oh, my God. Final round. Listen to me. Like, I'm like commentary on anything. <gasps> Ooh, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> this is my new candle, Bessie Rose. Wait, tell us. Yes, and a high five. That's amazing. And it's not that fart noise. Wait, <laughs> tell us about your new candles while we're on that subject. So I'm the muse of this beautiful new line called Beze Rose, and it's I love white flowers, especially rose. So it's white, it's rose, jasmine, and lily, and it's sold at Thompson Chemist and online at Crafting Boutique, and it smells so amazing. Oh my god, I love candles too. I am I like, love a, candles. and I'm a scent of. Fanatic. Like, I am too. I love, I spray perfume in my hair. Like, I spray it on my girls before they go to school every morning. Like, I'm just obsessed with smells and oh. beautiful, beautiful smells. Awesome. Oh. So whatever. No, what's that smell exactly? Uh, that purpose. was planted, that card. That was. <laughs> Don't give me that on purpose. No, but I'm glad we got to talk about the candles. All right, here we go. The class field trip was completely ruined by... A really bad smell. (laughs) (laughs) Look, she remembers and who who that was. Such a kid theme we have going on here. We do. You guys, fashion and style can encompass many things. Well, maybe it was like the bad jeans that the mom packed. You know how your moms always pack like the wrong clothes when you want to go on an Yes, but you know what else I saw recently? Just to a fashion answer. Okay. The class field trip was completely ruined by. That really bad wedgie given by my high-waisted <laughs> jeans in the 70s. Oh, you were a kid in the 70s. Jeans. They are called mom jeans now. Britt's too young to know what mom jeans are. I know what mom jeans are. <laughs> oh, my God. Continuing our theme, I'm sorry, Professor, but I couldn't complete my homework because of... Um, pot gummy bears. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. and that romantic candle at dinner them. with Obama. Exactly. <laughs> Jamie Jordan made an appearance, and then Kelly's all, all of the above. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. All right, and final card for me. Let's end it. What's the next Happy Meal toy? Oh my gosh! Well, pot gummy yeah, I, know. Bears. <laughs> I was going to say a vlogger. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
those and cute you, little Fendi, yummy little cozy things. What are they the called? Monsters. I love those. The, the monsters, a little monsters. Oh. with a little vlogger that you get with no, a cheeseburger that, deluxe meal. Oh, from McDonald's. That you can put on your purse. It's like hey, fun and fast. Oh, the fuzzy. Too. You would want the one from Fendi. Oh, yes. Fendi. You want the little Fendi, furry Carl Lagerfeld. Fendi. Oh, I love that. See. Done. I'll get that for you. (laughs) Kelly, we love having you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right, so we will definitely be looking for your blog, KKB Loves. Yes. You are the new guru of all things, Kelly. We hope so. And then, of course, we're going to go smell your candles. Yay! Thanks Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unbuttoned, brought to you by the editors of Yahoo Style. Now, I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And remember, you can find all the stories we talked about and more on yahoo.com slash style. Until next time, look good and keep reading. 